Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. That tax deadline is approaching and you need more time to get your return finished. Well, maybe because your tax situation is complex or, you know, life just got busy. But no sweat. Tax extensions exist for a reason, and they aren't that complicated. Foster and Motley's Emily Diaz is with me, Patrice Sikora, to talk about what an extension is, who can get one, and how. It's good to have you back, Emily. So what does a filing extension actually get you, and does it mean you can push off paying any taxes you might owe? That's a great question. So for individuals, normally the tax deadline is April 15th. An extension gives you an extra six months. So it pushes the deadline to October 15th to file your taxes. So it's an extension of time to file. It is not an extension of time to pay. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. You know, somebody might say, oh, well, I filed an extension, so I'm good for six months. Well, you're only good if you've already paid in. Otherwise, there are <laughs> interest and penalties that are charged if you're not fully paid in by April. 15th. Well, how do you know what to pay if you haven't finished your return? That's a great question. And that's where some of our value as financial planners that are assisting with tax planning can come in. So typically a CPA is working with a client to figure out how much they're going to owe, or if the client's doing it themselves in TurboTax, you know, maybe they take everything that they do have or is kind of close enough and see if they're close. But for a lot of our clients, especially those that have large portfolios uh, with a lot of taxable assets, sometimes the information is just coming in later and later, and we may not have have the information or we might get it at the you know the very last minute when right. it's just kind of impractical to get everybody's information circulated there in the first week or so of April. So that's where a lot of times we'll kind of work with the client and the CPA kind of what's expected and then how much is a reasonable amount to round up. And especially for some of our clients, if it's not a big deal, if they've got cash on hand or cash in the portfolio to just add some buffer to that payment, they would rather do that and know that they're safe. And then the extra can be credited forward to the next year or refunded later, you know, rather than face underpayment charges. Right. Do, do you have to give the IRS a reason for wanting the extension? No, you don't. It's actually a really wow. simple form. And sometimes I've had clients say, oh, I don't know if I should file an extension. Like I, I've got to give a reason. And, you know, is the IRS going to look at me with more scrutiny if I don't have a good reason? And No, the form is really simple. It's basically just your name, address, social security number, and the amount of a payment, if any, that you're making. So there's no reason given. And when you file electronically, whether that's doing doing it yourself in TurboTax or something that a CPA files, typically the acceptance comes back almost immediately from the IRS that they you know received your extension. The only times I've seen it rejected are if a social security number had a typo in it or, or something like that. So it's not like you know this big thing that you have to request from the IRS and make sure you've got a good reason. No, it's it's really just filing a form. Well, that's interesting. I thought you did have to have some bodacious reason, you know, like I'm uh, whatever, but okay, great, great. But then again, uh, red flag, is this going to be a big red flag to the IRS saying, oh, this person needs to be audited? Right. You're on Santa's naughty list, right? <laughs> no, actually, you know, I would actually say the opposite because if you're, 
either don't have all of the info or don't have time to get everything together, you know, I think your chances of filing an accurate return are much higher if you've got the extra time to make sure that, you know, you've got all your ducks in a row. So that would be my argument. I think you're better to extend and make sure you file it right than mm-hmm. rush and maybe miss something. And, you know, that that's more likely to lead to a letter from the IRS saying, oh, you missed something. Yeah. Are there serial filers? I mean, every year they go for an extension. Is that is that bad? No. In fact, we've got some clients that we know pretty much have to be extended every year. Oftentimes, if they're business owners or if they have a a complicated private investment or something where the information just isn't available until later, they extend their tax returns every year. And, you know, that's oh. just routine for them. The more important thing is making sure that those payments are made on time. And so that's something that we're, you know, working with clients and their CPAs to make sure that payments are being made because really then it's not a big deal whether the return, the form is filed in April and October. The IRS cares more about getting payments, whether that's through withholding or quarterly estimates or an extension payment as needed. And so we've kind of tried to emphasize that that's really the more important thing than, you know, when the form is actually filed. Mm-hmm. About how many extensions are filed a year? Any idea? Yeah, it's quite a lot. Last year, the IRS said it was about 19 million. Uh, so it's wow. not like you'd be the only person, you know, out of the whole country filing a, an extension. So I think that's somewhere between 10 and 15% of all the returns that they got last year. So a pretty good number. I think the percentage of our clients that extend is significantly higher than that, just because we tend to work with more business owners or people with large portfolios that just have more complex needs to file their return. And you mentioned rounding up. So you get your estimate and then you round up. You say, do most people want that back or do they credit it going forward? Yeah, that's a great question. So for a lot of our clients that I've been talking about with, you know, large taxable portfolios, all of that interest and dividend income and, you know, portfolio gains, there's no tax withholding on that. It's not like wage income or pensions or social security, those sources typically have withholding. So for these folks that, you know, need to be paying in quarterly estimates, we'll typically recommend that they just credit forward their refund to apply to the next year. So let's just take, for example, someone who files on time. Okay, if they're getting $1,000 back for last year, but they're going to need to pay in $5,000 a quarter for this upcoming year, why would you get $1,000 back just to turn around and write a check for $5,000, right? You would just say, split the difference, here's a check for $4,000 and credit the difference forward. But there's also another trick that we can use for folks that have to pay quarterly since the first quarter quarterly deadline is April 15th. So it's the same as, you know, the due date for your extension for the prior year. So we'll often have clients lump in their first quarter extension, as well as whatever balance we think they're going to, or sorry, first quarter estimate, as well as their extension payment, whatever we think their balance due is going to be for the prior year. Lump that all together as one payment. So they make, you know, a really big extension payment, including some quarterly estimates for the following year. And then once their tax return is filed, the difference is credited to the following tax year. So it still counts as a payment on time for the next year, but just in case something crazy comes in that they weren't expecting, you know, and we find that they owe more for the prior year return than we thought, they don't have the underpayment interest and penalties 
Instead, they just need to catch up with their quarterly estimate. And there is an interest charge for that, but it's much lower. So it kind of makes sure that they're really safe in terms of, you know, the bigger interest and penalties. And if they need to catch up with quarterly estimates, it's not nearly as big of a deal. Got it. Got it. All right. So let's review then. How do you file for an extension? What are the different ways you can do it? Mm -hmm. So in a lot of cases, if clients have a tax preparer that they're working with, they might be filing the extension on behalf of the client without the client needing to do anything. If no payment is due, the uh, CPA or preparer can file it on the client's behalf online. You know, it's it's really pretty quick. Otherwise, if payment is due, clients can do it on the IRS website. And so that can serve as their extension. Or if you're doing it yourself, Rotax can do it electronically, or you can also print out a form and mail it to the IRS. Although that obviously would take much longer. So if you're doing it at the last minute, <laughs> online is probably the best way. Yeah. And I know we talked in a previous episode about post office box theft that we were having here locally, especially during tax season. So yeah, all the more reason not to put things with your social security number in a check in the mailbox instead, just do it online. Very true. Emily, great discussion. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you think we should? No, I think this has been good. And, you know, we're always here to help clients. And I think as as the world gets more complicated, it's always good to have good CPAs and accountants that we work with. And then also from our end to make sure that, you know, if clients are going to owe a balance due, that they're prepared, that we've got cash ready. So there's no nasty surprises on April or October 15th. (laughs) True. All right, Emily, how can people reach you at Foster and Motley? You can find us at our website, which is fosterandmotley.com. And be sure to follow this podcast from Foster and Motley for updates and insights on all sorts of topics, both life and financial. And please share with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Keep in mind that rules and regulations are subject to change. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.